Hey guys, welcome to another She Knows Arsenal Extra. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessino. As promised, I brought in somebody that could give us some more perspective about Slavia Prague. We play Slavia Prague on Thursday at the Emirates, so it's going to be a good time for us to kind of get acquainted with the team. I think as much as we want to believe that this is going to be a straightforward fixture, I just don't think it's going to be that easy and um, yeah, so, you know, my special guest, Alex, the Euro expert, is going to give us all the great insight on, on this team. So we understand what the task at hand is. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys. All right. So in the, in the chat box, if you're here watching, Say hello to Alex, the Euro expert. How are you doing today? Hi, guys. I'm doing very good. Thank you, Jess. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. And I think you're, you're kind of bang on with some of your early your early thoughts about Slavia Prague. It might not be a walk in the park. There's a lot to talk about here. So it should be fun. You know, I was just um, looking at their game against Leicester just to get a, an idea of how they play, what kind of team they are. And I instantly thought this could be a really difficult game for us. Um, I don't think it's going to be that straightforward. And this clear path that I think a lot of Arsenal fans feel like there is to the Europa League final is really a myth. You know, these teams in Europe are such a mixed bag and they're really hard to anticipate, you know, so you can give us a better idea of what to expect. So obviously I just want to get like the, the obvious news out of the way that Cadella, I think that's his last name, is the, yep. the guy that was um, accused um, of doing the racial slur against uh, Glenn Kamara when they played Rangers, was actually um, banned. He's He's been banned for, for one game. And, um, you know, whether or not, I, I, I think that that's a little easy, kind of like a let off a little bit, but he, he has been banned, so you know, we won't see him. And he also got a pretty bad, I think, elbow to the face from um, Gareth Bale the other day as well in international duty. So, um, yeah, but he won't be there. How big of a miss is that for Slavia Prague for this team? And I saw that he started for them against Leicester. Is he a, a normal starter? Is he a big part of their team? Yeah, he is a normal starter. So he plays a centre-back and um, yeah, for, he's the most experienced player in the team. I mean, Slavia Prague, they're quite a Young side got an average age at 24.8, which I don't think is too far off Arsenal's. But he was like the one big pillar of experience in Slavia Prague's team. So missing him for this game and potentially actually the second leg, because I was reading today that UEFA uh, looking in, looking further into the issue. So more things might come from that. But um, yeah, Cadella will be out for this game. And it's quite a big miss for um, Slavia Prague here in, in defence. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't quite sure. I just knew that he had started a couple games and, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on the negativity because I mean, we could go on and on and on talking about the 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 um, you know, the racial slurs and things yeah. like that and, you know, but it, as in this game he's not even going to be a part of it. So some of the notes that I kind of wrote down, you know, when I was watching the game was um, you know, Ultimately, we know we're, we're very familiar with with Leicester. That was the game that I was watching them play against um, Slavia Prague. And 
I mean, they had Ndidi, Vardy, Tielemans. I mean, they had a mixed squad, but still some really quality players. And they seemed to have a really difficult time building up through the middle. And it mm. seemed like Slavia Prague was blocking them out of the center of the pitch and making them go wide and really breaking up their their play through the middle through Ndidi and Tielemans and just kind of smashing the attacking mids when they got the ball. So it made it really difficult for them. Is that one of their strengths? You know, their defensive abilities, their abilities to, you know, um, basically be really difficult to break down. Might have to do less work this this show. You're kind of hitting all the right points. Yeah, that is spot on. Um, Slavia Prague have actually committed the most, some of the most fouls in the entire Europa League. They're a team that like to, I mean, to give a bit of background. So the manager's a man called Yinurich Dripozovsky. And he's a man who puts Jurgen Klopp as his idol. And since he took over in 2017, he's got Slavia Prague playing really high-pressing football, no matter the opponent. And against Leicester, that was shown in Rangers that they're winning the ball or fouling the other team quite high up the pitch and stopping them come through the middle, which is what you've seen against Leicester. And this is something that they will try against any team, at least on track record, because some, I mean, if there's a Chelsea fan in the comments or watching later on, they will remember this team because in the quarterfinals two years ago when Chelsea and Arsenal met in the Europa League final, uh, on the run-up, Chelsea played Slavia Prague in a 4-3 thriller. Uh, and Slavia Prague actually did extremely well to cut apart Chelsea in the second half. But it does have its weaknesses, this style. But it will be something that I think Arsenal fans are going to be shocked by. Because when you come up against a team like this, right, it's like a team that's outside of Europe's top five leagues, you think they're going to play really deep, deep block. They're going to sit back in their box, defend really deeply, and Arsenal are going to have all the ball where... That's probably not going to be true. It's they're going to try at least to play hard at the pitch and disrupt you guys as much as possible. Yeah, that's a bit of a worry considering the way that the style that we like to play. We want to be possession based and we've been most successful this season when we've been able to gain a little bit of centrality, you know, play through Emil mm. Smith Rowe, Saka, and, and Odegaard through the middle. And if we're anticipating, them smashing our attacking mids, fouling and, and, and you know, maybe even a bombing, Lacazette, these types of players. We're not good playing wide, lumping balls in and trying to just like get, um, you know, play ugly. That's not really our, our yeah. style of play. So that that's kind of a worry for me. But um, what do you anticipate our Arsenal being able to do? to combat that, you know, or do they have weaknesses that we can exploit with some of the players that we have? So Slavia Prague's biggest weakness is, it's a bit like Leeds, and I bring that up because someone in the comments, Yo-Yo has just mentioned it. So would Slavia look similar to Leeds? They actually get drawn that comparison quite a bit. And it's the same thing with Leeds, where if you can get past that first press, if you can get past these fouls, they are really vulnerable. And in the few times they've been hammered in Europe, uh, I think one time was in the group stage this season against Leverkusen. It's when the team managed to get past their their attacking wave or their defensive wave, get in behind the midfield and just go straight at the defence. And they usually press push up quite high. So Arsenal would definitely look to probably use a Bamiyang to that. They'd want to be getting straight in behind Slavia Prague's defence and getting directly there and making sure the passes are quick. And I will say as well, I, I think this will be a bit of a muddy tie, but from a Slavia Prague perspective, I don't think there's a team they would have hated coming up against more. 
Because I think Arsenal are very well set to play around a press. So this could be, it's going to be an interesting clash to see which team presides over it more. If Arsenal can get round it or if Slavia Prague is still able to um, disrupt them. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I didn't I didn't really think about the comparison to Leeds, but I can kind of see that and understand that that if you can get past that initial press, then you're pretty much in on those fullbacks and then you can exploit them there probably one-on-one with speed and behind because like you said, they don't play a low block. You know, it's kind of like a mid block. Once you get past that first line, if you can just pop it into space, we might be able to run onto it and attack them in that way. So in your opinion, would it be better to play Aubameyang through the middle in this game or Lacazette? Is there any argument to play Lacazette against this team centrally? So I like Lacazette as a player, but I think playing him in this game could be a bit of a waste because he likes to drop a a bit deeper, right? Whereas Aubameyang, Aubameyang's all-rounded, but one thing he's really strong at is getting in behind. So I think Arteta and Arsenal should be looking to start Aubameyang in this game if 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 it is centrally over Lacazette because... It provides much more of a threat. And he, even then, if Slavia Prague say, okay, they're playing a Bamiyang, we're just going to drop deeper, you're nullifying Slavia Prague then because they're going to have to sit deeper, which is something they're not used to, by the way, because another another nice thing to throw in, they're unbeaten in 37 league games. They're in- incredible. Yeah, Zero they're in- losses this season. I saw that. I was like, in yeah. 25 games, zero losses is impressive no matter what league you're in. Yeah, and it stretches back to last season. They're in incredible form. So, but going back to it, if you start a Bamiyang, that instantly forces them to make a decision. Do we risk getting exposed in behind or do we drop deep to combat it and sacrifice our main style of play? So it's an interesting thing, but I definitely would start a Bamiyang this game. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think ultimately for Arsenal fans, it's 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 been very difficult, you know, for, for a Bamiyang watching him go through such bad form you know he's he's off but um you know when we when we start to talk about playing in Europe you have to have your best striker available to you and he's by far the better striker to Lacazette so I anticipate Arteta starting a bombing until he can't start him anymore because without him I don't see us getting that far in this competition he's that important to the squad in or out of form in my opinion so yeah we also have some Pretty bad injuries, you know. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but Karen Tierney will be out and uh, David Luiz as well. Do you anticipate, you know, us having to make those types of changes to be something that Slavia Prague will try to take advantage of? You know, there's a huge difference between David Luiz and Rob Holding and Cedric being a right footed left back and Karen Tierney being one of our best players. I think David Luiz, they won't be worried about. Well, I don't think that affects it too much, but Kieran Tierney is one because I'm sure we'll get him into it a bit, bit, a bit later. But Savio Prague's undoubtable best player is Abdallah Sima, who plays at right wing. And Tierney would have been a really good foil to him and probably would have nullified their best outlet. But with Tierney out, that means Slavia Prague's best player could have a really strong game. But on the note of injuries as well, You'll probably know a bit more than me, but I was looking. It seems Smith Rowe and Saka are doubtful. It's not 100% if they'll play or not. I think those two will be crucial if they if they are in or out because they'll help Arsenal play really quick, right? Play a bit more direct. And if those guys are out, then it could hinder Arsenal's chances at counter-attacking. But if they're in, that's a big bonus to Arsenal. 
Yeah, that's a really good point because against Liverpool, what was the biggest struggle is that we didn't have space and we didn't have time on the ball. And certain people in our squad, in particular, like Pepe, Ceballos, they need more time and space on the ball to be able to create and do the things that they want to do. And Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe are technically better than them. They can play in small, you know, uh, tight spaces. They can also play in space, but they also draw fouls. So if you're saying that, you know, Slavia Prague is going to be trying to smash our attacking mids, you know, so that they can foul them and disrupt rhythm. Those are the type of players that will get those fouls and and things like that. And we'll continue to fight, even though it's going to be what I anticipate a physical, you know, task, you know, yeah. against us. So we're hoping that they'll be back, but there's no real guarantee. They both have some some difficult injuries, you know, how did you know, just from a neutral perspective, what are your thoughts on Arsenal being so reliant upon young players, you know, to make things happen for, for a team that, you know, has so much, you know, perceived talent with more senior players, you know? I don't think it's, I think it's a nice point, actually. I think it, I don't think it's too alien as I'm, I, I get of Arsenal, I think, even the past few years, you've, your fans have been very frustrated and rightly so, because on paper, you do have an incredibly talented squad. It feels like they're not always out there every single time. Like they then every It's a bit inconsistent. And the young players feel like your best players this season, especially Saka. But it's not too alien, especially under Arteta, who, like, regardless if you're a fan of him or not, he's inexperienced. So, and on, from what we've seen before, inexperienced managers don't tend to get the best out of senior players all the time. You've seen that with Lampard and you've seen that with Pirlo at Juventus. And also just another nice thing to put on teams like Leipzig and Salzburg, the orchestrator of that Ralph Ragnick, he thinks that he suggests and those German coaches suggest that young players are far more important than the older players. And their recommendation for these clubs is to rejuvenate your squad every year with a set of young players because it gets the best out of your team because it's hard to get that energy out of senior players. So it's not too much of a worry from Arsenal. And the good thing is the young players are very talented. It's not as if it's just, it's not as if it's just the benefit of being young in a team, which isn't always performing. Smith, Rowe and Saka especially are genuinely great players. So it helps you've got those guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see it as um, a negative because a lot of the teams that I watch across Europe have a lot of young players. One of my favorite teams is Dortmund and they live and die by young, young talent. So it's not the end of the world as long as you kind of know what you're doing. And I do like the aspect of having a young coach, even though the job that he's come into has been very difficult, but Mm. we hope to see him, you know, do well, but you had mentioned that Sima is one of their most dangerous players. Would it be, smart for Arsenal to, you know, counteract that with maybe Saka playing left wing back, you know, to fill in for Tierney, you know, instead of Cedric. That's been suggested as kind of like the, you know, the fix to the Tierney issue. Um, It's interesting because with Seema, he is technically a right winger. And for anyone who doesn't know, Slavia Prague tends to play like a 4-1-4-1. So a bit more of a reserve 4-3-3. But Seema on the right, he tends to come inside a lot. He's not a typical winger. He's left-footed. And potentially you could have Saka there, but you'd probably want him further forward. And I think the best way to combat him will be to play a centre midfielder 
sort of to cover the space Simu would drive into. So like a left defensive midfielder. So Jacker, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah, to watch that space to make sure. Because uh, Simu as well, like looking at his goal contribution in the Czech League, I'm not going to talk too much about Slavia Prague in the Czech League because like one, there's not many statistics and two, it's a little irrelevant to the Europa League. But Seema has, in his first season in professional football, he has 16 goal contributions in 18 games, which is really good, especially in Eastern Europe, where it's generally quite physical leagues. And in the Europa League, he's got, I think, two goals already. And one of them was a great goal against Leicester. So he's definitely someone that um, Xhaka could, would need to make sure stops coming inside and stops causing issues. Mm, that's interesting. So talk to me a little bit more about Sema and what you think the the future is for this player, because I usually don't start hearing about players like this until they could potentially get a move or people are looking at them. Is he a young player that other teams, you know, from maybe the Premier League or the Bundesliga or something like that would be interested in and maybe acquiring over the summer? I think absolutely. I mean, it's somewhat hard to measure from the Premier League perspective because West Ham were heavily linked to this player. But that might also just be a product of the fact West Ham have bought Thomas Sufa and Thomas Suchek from Slavia Prague too. So it, it, it was a little like their fans just saying, they're a shot player again and see who their best player is. But at the same time, he has been linked to teams across Europe. Um, not anyone too majorly apart from West Ham. But he is 19 years old to give a bit more background. 19 years old, Senegalese player. And what he in his first season of professional football, he doesn't really look that young. He's six foot three and he is very strong on the ball and very confident. If anyone's seen the goal we scored against Leicester, it was a really powerful shot from quite far range where you don't it, it wasn't anticipated to take the shot. He kind of gave himself half a yard of space before powering off. So he is someone that I think will definitely get a bigger move in the future. Maybe not to a Premier League Cup straight away, but it looks like a stepping stone is next, maybe someone in Germany or France. And it'd be interesting to see what he does from there. But so far, the signs are really good from Seymour. Yeah, that's a player that we're going to have to watch. Not, you know, he may not be somebody that would be looking for to, to play for Arsenal, but definitely in terms of this tie, I mean, we have to look for all of their danger men. It seems like they're really good on the counterattack. They're going to be physical. You know, they're not going to let us play through the middle. So we need to be passing quickly, playing into mm. space and behind. So, yeah, it, I think it's going to be a really difficult game or difficult tie, but I think we should come out on top. Like, if you could give your your prediction of how this will go, you know, what is your honest prediction of our, our chances of getting through this tie, getting to the next round? I think, despite the, the positives of Slavia Prague, I, I think Arsenal will go through because – this tie is definitely going to be surprising, especially this first game, because there's going to be a lot of Arsenal fans who aren't tuned into the stream and Arsenal fans who are hearing the name Slavia Prague and don't even realise what country it's from and just assume they're going to be a defensive team full of minnows when they're going to come and play Arsenal and they are going to they are going to attempt to play like a top Premier League side and meet them high up the pitch, probably. So it's going to be a shock to the bones, but... Like I said, Arsenal really well built to counteract the Slavia Prague team. And despite they've got quality players like Seymour and another one, Peter Olejinka, a winger as well from uh, Nigeria playing uh, Slavia Prague. And they're a really well coached side. I think their manager as well uh, won the Manager of Year award for the Czech Republic last season, which obviously isn't the, the most grand of titles, but it's something. And he's been highly rated for a long time. I still think Arsenal are really well set up to counteract 
Slavia Prague. And for a score prediction, I would go this first leg 2-1. And then the second leg, I think it's going to be 1-0 Arsenal. Mm, I hope so. I mean, even if it's it's tight, like I don't expect us to to blow them out of the water. But, you know, um, Yo-Yo was saying that they look susceptible on set pieces. Is that something that you think that we can... I mean, even if they are susceptible on set pieces, let's just be real. Arsenal is not very... <laughs> tall or dominant in the air you know this this might not be even something that we can take advantage of what do you think uh yo-yo's got a little bit of a point because i from the highlights especially in the europa league less in the league mainly in the europa league they've been a little hit and miss with set pieces and but it's definitely not anything to do with height because they're quite a tall team most of their players are at five foot eleven to six foot three and four so in terms of height it's not an issue but it's generally more of their setup but Perhaps it is something that Arsenal can look at to uh, to exploit, but I guess you, you're probably more better place to say from that. And as from what you've just said there, maybe it's going to be a bit more even from set pieces rather than one team exploiting the other. Yeah, when people say like, "Well, they're not good on set pieces," I'm like, "But we're not good at scoring off <laughs> of set pieces either." I mean, we have some this season, um, but that's not really a specialty for us, you know. So. There's about 20 of you guys watching right now. Make sure that you like the video and subscribe to the channel and we'll just keep rolling on. So I want to know what your honest opinion about the Europa League is in terms of who's going to make it to the final. You know, mm -hmm. I know that you're on an Arsenal channel talking about Arsenal, but there's a chance that we may not make it to the final, even though a lot of fans think that we will. Who, do you, who would you predict, predict at this point making it to the Europa League final and winning it? That's a great question. And... It leads really nicely into the second leg because whoever, if you get out of this tie, which which we've, I've said you probably will, the team you'll probably face is Villarreal. Well, team you will face is either Villarreal or Dinamo Zagreb. And I think it might be Dinamo Zagreb, the team that knocked out Tottenham. Really? And yeah, I think even though Villarreal under Unai Emery, they look really strong. I've been following Zagreb quite closely and they've, or they were very similar to Slavia Prague again. The deceptively talented team, and they're like I'm not going to bang on about them too much, but that I think in the Croatian squad, uh, so Zagreb from Croatia in the Croatian squad for the World Cup, I think it was a first no twelve out of their twenty man squad came through Dinamo Zagreb, so really a big home of Croatian talent, and I think that will be a really interesting clash to see out of Arsenal Zagreb who goes through there. I think United will probably reach the final. Uh, to touch on other teams in the in the draw, because I think it's Ajax beat Roma in the other leg, and um, who could go to the final. I think Roma are probably going to go out there. They've got a very, very old team with your old boys, uh, <laughs> Mkhitaryan there. But I think Roma going out and Ajax will get through to the semis with United, and I think United will pulverise them there. So yeah. I think it it is very well set up to be a uh, United-Arsenal final, but overall, I do think that Arsenal have the way tougher route to the final than United. United have a Granada, Ajax and Roma. That's a lot less muddy than Zagreb, Prague and uh, Villarreal. Despite what might look like on paper as established teams beat Minos, it's going to be a bit more tougher for Arsenal. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I watched Ajax play the other day and I just thought to myself, like, this is not the Ajax that... I knew just from maybe three or four seasons prior, yeah. it looked like they're in an in-between phase of getting some more young talent into a point where they're a little bit more established and 
it just kind of looked piecemeal together. So I wouldn't really expect them to, if they did have to face Manchester United to really trouble them that much. So I do agree that it looks like Manchester United have a easier route to the final if they got there. The one thing about United that we know though, is that they haven't really showed a lot of success in mm. knockout competitions since Ole has been there, you know, so, and we tend to thrive a little bit more in, in these scenarios. So, you know, I don't think, I think they can make it there, but if it, if it came down to us and them, I, I would probably bet on us because I think one, we're desperate. We need it more <laughs> than they do. And two, they're just not as good in, in knockout competitions as good as they are. They also have, haven't beat us since um, Arteta's been manager, which is strange. You know, I think oh, we're yeah. kind of like their bogey team. They actually haven't scored on us either. It's really odd. It's really <laughs> odd. I think we're their their bogey team, you know. But um, let's talk a little bit just randomly, like, about um, – I think I want to ask you about the Champions League as well because you have good knowledge of teams that are left in the Champions League that we don't watch very often. You know, we watch Liverpool and Chelsea and Man City – and all of them, but looking at Liverpool, the uh, just playing us the other day, I think we were the perfect team for them to play right before they play a, a wounded Real Madrid team without Varane and Sergio Ramos. You know, if you had to guess who would get to, you know, who would who would advance between Chelsea and Porto and Liverpool and Real Madrid, who do you think will advance in in those particular ties? So I think Chelsea are gonna go up through past Porto. I think there's an interesting comment today that was, it's just a nice thing to consider in general. The Porto manager came out and said, I really wish um, Chelsea hadn't lost at the weekend because now they're going to be woken up and they're probably going to beat us. Something to that effect, which is a weird thing to to come out and say, but it's kind of true when you think about it. It always gives that wake-up call. But um, Liverpool v uh, Rival Trade, I think you guys really were the, the perfect warm-up test. I think <laughs> Liverpool have their conf- confidence back now. So, I think mean, it's going to be Liverpool Chelsea um, semi final. On overall, on paper, I've got um, Chelsea City in the final. I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think Dortmund. Uh, to be honest, if Arsenal played Dortmund, you probably would have gone through against them. Dortmund are horrific at the moment. They are. Yeah, they're really all over the place. City are going through past them, and then Bayern PSG just two teams to keep an eye on because both of them have got quite weakened since last season. So I think City will go through past uh, those ones. So be if, if you're making a, a prediction on both European finals, I think it's going to be United Arsenal and uh, Chelsea City, all English all again. All English. It would be that'll be one for the headlines in the Sun and the Daily Mail. That'll be a fun one again. You really think Chelsea has a chance? Like you really do? I really do. It's mainly based off Thomas Tuchel. He's probably mm. one of the best coaches in the world, and that's come you from said someone that. Because you watched the French League. I remember you said that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched PSG very closely. And it, it's underrated how unlucky and how close he got to the final, what, well, to the trophy last last season. They've Kylian Mbappe and Neymar put a few shots, one or two yards either side of Manuel Neuer. We have a completely different conversation about them. And I think with Tuchel, he's got such a good record in, especially cup competitions. I think he's won one with Dortmund as well. I really backed a call to uh, have a strong have a strong finish with Chelsea, and they, I think Chelsea are nailed on top four next next season. I guess, I guess there's a caveat to bring back to Arsenal because I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans 
um like it is an easy thing to t- retweet i guess but them say look at chelsea they replaced frank lampard and they've got their manager in i personally quite like arteta and i like what he's doing at arsenal but what do, what do you think about that idea if, if there was like a manager like tuckle on the market would you up would you quotes upgrade from arteta to him without thinking I mean, that was an option. I think in December, you know, he was out of the job and, but, you know, we were doing really poorly before we started, we played Chelsea on Boxing Day. So I think that the club may have looked at it, but ultimately because, you know, the, as much as I know a lot of Arsenal fans want us to be more ruthless, the Arsenal way has always been something that's set in stone for a long time, way before Emery and Arteta you know, we just don't sack managers. I mean, we could have gotten rid of Arson probably 10 years prior to to when we actually, actually he left, you know, so that's just not the Arsenal way. And I think, you know, it may not be the Chelsea way, but it's still a, a way that you can win trophies. Uh, Klopp took a while to get things rolling at, um at, at Liverpool. Obviously it's a different scenario because he's world-class manager and they, you know, it's different, but their self-sustaining model, they took time. They didn't just buy a bunch of players and, you know, they, they built something over time. So I wouldn't just throw Arteta, you know, I just wouldn't throw him away to make yeah. just an, an upgrade for a manager that I don't think is the right fit. You know, yeah. um, I think Arteta, besides the fact that he's, um, he's a novice, you know, he's going to make newbie mistakes I think he's the right fit. I'm just not sure whether the project is too big for the results to catch up to the progress that we see. You know, there there's definitely progress there, but the results are not adding up. And we know why they're not adding up because we're not far lo- enough along. But ultimately, the results need to catch up at a certain point because there's benchmarks that you need to make. You know, he, he may not qualify for Europe through the league, if we don't win Europa League, I think the fire is going to be turned up on him. Because for me, I think the Cronkies would rather us look at the manager than look at him. And it'll come down to whether they back him or not. If they don't back him, they'll sack him. And if they do back him and he doesn't look like he's going to make it into the top four or at least be challenging for it next season, I think he'll be gone. So would I just make an upgrade? Not before we really see if he can turn the results around. I think it's too soon, you know, but I think you can win and be a good, good club doing things the Chelsea way and doing things our way, you know, you just have to wait it out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think as well with Arsenal, they're in the perfect spot where they're, it's not as if they're falling apart, but they're not, they're not having to rely on Champions League football every year. So I think Arteta is in a good spot where he can learn, but also he's achieving good enough results. I was going to say as well, um, because obviously with with Arsenal as well, so there was a couple of players linked to you, and it links pretty well with um, a question from Yo-Yo in the comments. What are the opinions on Monaco and Lille's title challenges? Now I'm not going to bang on about Ligue 1 in um that on an Arsenal show, obviously. Although the personal opinion is I want Lille to win that title massively. <laughs> there's there's a couple of players from Lille that were heavily linked to Arsenal. Um, you might know the names, I guess. Yusuf Yazici, he was really linked in January, wasn't he? He was really linked, yeah. He's um I actually I like the player. I wasn't sure. I think now seeing Odegar, I think that was the right fit for us at the moment. But I do like that he kind of plays like a second striker off the right hand side, left footed very goal 
oriented, wants to get mm. goals, which is something that we lack. So, and he's still young. I think he's like 23, 24 years old. I do like that, that player a lot. And I like Samare as well oh, from, yeah. um, from Lille. You know, Lille has good players and even Pepe is a good player. I just think we paid too much for him. Yeah. You know? So um, have you watched any of Saliba? Um, I've watched a little bit. Nisa having a bit of a, a a really dreadful season, to be honest. I mean, it's sad because you former Arsenal club legend. It's lovely how everything's linking back to Arsenal. Mm -hmm. uh, former Arsenal club legend, Patrice Vieira, he, he struggled at um, Nice. He got a big rebuild in the summer. And I, I, th I think in a similar way to Frank Lampard had it. He got a lot of players I don't think he was equipped to quickly implement into the side. But Saliba coming back has actually helped them have a bit of a renaissance. They've Anissa uh, kind of gone from really abysmal form near relegation to battling for the top end of the the, the the table again. And Saliba's been a big part for that. Really, really strong on defence. It's just crazy how the treatment was of of, uh, of him at Arsenal, at least from an outside perspective. Before you mentioned, I was just going to say as well, an open secret in um, France, at least in my perspective. Uh, you mentioned Bubakari Samari. I think whoever buys him is getting ripped off quite a bit. He is, really? he, yeah, he's decent. Don't get me wrong. He's not a bad player. And in fact, he had a great game against PSG. But Lille need to sell players. And Sumari is getting quoted at like £40 million. Pounds. Yeah. He's, oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I remember when they were trying to, to, to move him on like maybe a year ago. And there was a rumor, I'm not sure if it's, it's true or not, but he had called um, St. Maximum from Newcastle because that's who they were trying to sell him to for like 35 million or some astronomical number. And they spoke about it and Sumari didn't necessarily want the move, even though Newcastle was really interested in getting him. And ever since then, he's been kind of on the outs because he's not really taking the moves that they want him to take. They really want to make a lot of money off of him, but he's not worth 35 million or anything near that. He's a 20 something, 20 year old kid mm. uncapped by the national yeah. team. Like he, he doesn't start every single game for Lil either. I don't think, you know, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting point that anybody that wanted him would be getting ripped off, you know, I know yeah. Arsenal fans aren't aren't up for another ripoff from Lil. I know we're <laughs> we're pretty scarred from that at this point, you know. So, so um, yeah. But um, here's a question from Yo Yo. Obviously, we talked about this a little bit backstage, but you want to just let everybody know about you know who you support or do not support. The elephant in the room, of course, always. Uh, yeah. I are you? Hi, Yo Yo. I'm a neutral. I don't support um any team. I like to stay unbiased and. Uh, just studying different European teams. In fact, when you can, whenever I'm on a stream, whether it's Arsenal, Chelsea, or whatever, and it's talking about a player, manager, or team, you can bet I've got a three thousand word document on that team. In this case, Slavia Prague. Mining Czech Republic uh, news sites is fun, but um, yeah, I just like to go into a team and, and with a neutral perspective, study them, and help you guys at home get the best knowledge on them. So you can carry on looking at. Arsenal in the in the depth that I can't and I can give you the knowledge that you might miss by studying them that's awesome so I do want to ask you a little bit about you know recruitment for Arsenal and if we can do a quick scouting report just really quickly on like you know if from your knowledge of Europe are there any players that you think Arsenal 
could look at. You know, um, we've already kind of spoken about Samari and you said Saliba's doing well, but we need a right back. We need a central midfielder and maybe another forward if we sell Pepe. You know, are there any players that you can think of off the top of your head that might be a good fit for for Arsenal? Maybe something under the radar? Yeah, this is this is where I, this is where I, I live for actually. It's perfect. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say straight away forward, um, someone who could be available this summer, quite cheap. It's a, a lot closer to home, but it's Malasar from Watford. If if you sell Pepe, Saar would barely be a downgrade on Nicolas Pepe, and he's I think he's twenty three now, and he's did really well in the Premier League. The only reason he didn't get a move to United was because he was priced out of it, but. If Watford don't get promoted, then Arsenal should look at his Malasar. He'd be quality. He basically do what Pepe does without the the pressure of a massive price tag and massive expectations. Mm-hmm. So Malasar is definitely one. Um, central midfielder. That's an interesting one. Are we talking attacking or a bit more defensive? A bit more defensive. Somebody to upgrade maybe on Granit Xhaka or give us a little bit more athleticism. You know, Arsenal fans really love Basuma, but you know. Basuma is going to be 40 something million, you know, plus, you know, because he came from Lille, they bought him for like 20, they're going to want to double it from Brighton, anybody who wants him. So are there any other options that maybe we could look at? Yeah, there's definitely a few. I think uh, one easy one would be Locatelli from Sassuolo in Italy. Uh, Serie A isn't particularly rich with uh, money. I mean, Mo Salah moved to Liverpool for like 30 million and the market's kind of got back to that level. Locatelli's really athletic player, but he offers the passing range of Xhaka. And he's not been signed to go anywhere yet. So he should be a player that Arsenal, I think, could really use because he, he can kind of do the sort of thing as Jorginho, where he can control the, the pace of a game. And but when Arsenal dominating or 1-0 up, he can slow it down or speed up when need be. But he's also really active in defence, kind of like the, the Torreira levels, but a bit more consistent. So if Locatelli was to come in, that'd be great. And right back is the final one. Um, and I was right, right back with Arsenal. I think in the Premier League as well, you need a right back who's very strong attacking, but it's not going to leave you defensively open. You don't want a Marcus Alonso, but you don't want like 1921 Basaka where it felt like he couldn't cross a ball. <laughs> so, so from right back, there's um, a, a, one would be an interesting one would be from Wolfsburg, would be Kevin Mbappu. And he's interesting because he moved to Newcastle before on loan and never got played. But um, he's kind of a bit part player at Wolfsburg, but he's got some good attacking numbers. I wish I had some, I think he got five or six assists last season. And he'd be someone who could step into Arsenal and probably do a good job. But if Bellerin was to go as well, another one is um, Manchester City loanee Pedro Porro, who's on loan at um, unbeaten sporting in uh, Portugal. He's someone that City might not, bring back because City are terrible at getting uh, players on loan back into their team and he's and I think he's 19 years old or 20 and he's already been called up to the Spanish national team so he's got the big game sort of he's got the big name Paul and I think Arsenal could definitely get him off City for a cheap fee and he at first he wouldn't be too much of a downgrade on Bellerin and all the signs say he's gonna grow to be a far a really really good player so that's another one to keep an eye out for. Are Arsenal fans like pie in the sky with this whole Hakimi thing? We're being linked. Is Does that seem realistic to you? I mean, I just, you know, it just seems a little out there, you know, I get, for me. I, I get what you mean. 
I think it's twofold. Can Arsenal get Hakimi out of Inter? That's a question. And the answer is yes, because Inter are in a financial mess at the moment. And it looks like they already need to sell. In fact, they they were meant to pay quite a large transfer instalment for Hakimi, and they've not done it to Real Madrid. So they're effectively owing money to Madrid. And that's why the Hakimi rumours are popping up. The other answer to it is, are Arsenal going to beat the rest of Europe to arguably the best right back in the world? That's a trickier answer because you look, there, there's a lot of teams that could do with right back, mainly Bayern Munich. They've got a massive hole at right back, way more than Arsenal. At least Arsenal have got a functional right back, Bayern haven't. Is that, it's the only thing. I, I do actually think, yeah, I wouldn't be too downhearted on it. I think Arsenal could get Hakimi, but it's whether they get beaten to it by another team. They'll have to, they'll they'll have to get their pitching, uh, <laughs> they have to get their pitching quite well uh, to try and get Hakimi in and convince him that Arsenal's the right club to go to. I think that's what it's going to be this summer. Is going to be pitching the project over. You know, of course, I think for certain players that are high quality players that may be kind of out of our range just a little bit, we may have to make some financial concessions to, to get them here. That that's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, sometimes you have to pay a little bit more to get what you, what you really want. But I think selling the dream is going to be the first thing that Arteta is going to have to do. He, he did a really good job of it for Gabrielle, who was, um, you know, highly rated out of Lille last season, did it with, with Thomas as well, you know, um, convinced certain players to come. You know, so I think that's what it's going to be for us this summer, because if we're outside of Europe, basically what you're pitching is it's only going to be for one season. We're building something, hold tight, we're, we're going to do it. You know, so um, I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility, but I think what you said was really important is that there's going to be other teams looking at this player. You know, so can we convince him to come to a team where maybe the results aren't that great? but maybe we can pitch him what, where we're trying to go, mm-hmm. you know? So um, this is an interesting question. You guys, if you have questions for Alex, um, go ahead and put them in the, the chat box. Just make them, make it obvious that it's a question so I don't miss it. But um, this is, this is I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. How was Awar doing this season? Maintaining last season's standard? I mean, Awar was like the thing last season for us or in the summer, because everybody thought we were going to get him. Obviously ended up with Thomas party did deal fell through those types of things. Do you have any idea of how close that deal might've actually been? And what is the update on him now this season? He's seemingly not making a lot of headlines these days. It was a really close deal. In fact, Auro and Depay, I'm pretty certain they were both meant to leave Leon last summer and what happened was their president, John michel Alas, I'm pretty certain he set a deadline and said, you have to move them by this date. The deadline passed and he stuck to his guts and said, nope, these guys aren't leaving, aren't leaving Leon. But honestly, I think you dodged a bullet a little bit. Not to say Auro is a bad player, very decent player, very talented player. But I would rather have taken Party and Odegaard because effectively you have two players who do what Auro does and a lot more. Auro's really good at getting the ball from deep, pushing it forward, and then has the vision uh, to execute a pass. And he, very, he's, what he is is a very, very strong dribbler. However, I would much rather save that money for Odegaard, who's a lot better in the final third. And for context of our, he hasn't played an awful lot this season at Lille. Now, Lille are having a good season. They're challenging for the title. They're starting to fall off a little bit. 
But our oil hasn't been used too much, much, much less than you would expect. In fact, there's been a few disciplinary issues as well. There's a thing where um, earlier in the season, he had a bit of a falling out of the coach and he was asked to warm up after a game he didn't play. Well, warm down after a game he didn't play. And so he got in his car and left the stadium and he was disciplined for that. But yeah, I think Arsenal, it was really weird. It came out of absolutely nowhere, I felt. All these rumours are our road to Arsenal, but credit to them for getting Thomas Party in because I think that was a, a much smarter use of Arsenal's money. Yeah, I think that's the thing about a while. Like for me, it's at this point with Arsenal because we have we don't have an abundancy of, of funds. You know, we're not Manchester City, Chelsea. We can't just buy $40 million players. If it doesn't work, then you just chuck them to the side and and buy somebody else. So every single purchase that you make has to make sense. And you have to think about the player holistically and in totality. It can't just be about it fits, you know, the financially it fits and it fits the profile of player. It's also about their mentality, you know, where they are in their, in their development and things like that. Where's their mindset at? And for a team that has a, a captain right now that, can't even show up on time to a North London Derby, you know, and it has disciplinary issues of their own, you know, where we're always talking about the ill discipline of Arsenal, the fact that we're getting so many red cards and we don't really seem like we at, we're together, you know, and those types of things. I, I think we may have dodged a bullet, not just, not really just based on Awar and the type of player he is. I'm sure he could have added some sort of quality, but in terms of his mindset, I think, this was probably what was best. I like the way Odegaard is. I know it took four or five months for him to get here and we suffered without having a, a 10 or a creative player or just, you know, a more attacking minded player. But I think it was worth it because he has the right mindset and we have to start looking at players in like holistically. I think about Pepe with that as well. I think good player struggling to adapt to the Premier League, not really the mentality that we probably needed. Nice guy, probably. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but probably just wasn't the right player, you know, for Arsenal because we're in a, we're in a rebuild, you know, yeah. it, it takes tough players to be a part of a rebuild and a really big team that gets criticized a lot, you know? So yeah, I don't know. Well, let's see. Yo-Yo asks reports were that French clubs were in financial turmoil due to the media TV coverage issues where there'd be fire, fire sales akin to Valencia's last season. Yeah, it's a it's a good question there. And for anyone who's not fully aware, I'll very briefly explain. Um, I'm sure you're all aware of Sky Sports, even if you're not from the UK. It's as if Sky Sports signed a, a two billion deal with the Premier League for three years of showing Premier League football on their TV screens, and then after about two months, said we can't actually pay you that much and dropped out. That's basically what happened in France. They were promised a lot of money, and not a lot was coming. Now, it's an interesting question. It won't be fire sales in terms of Valencia, where they were letting players go for stupidly low fees. It was like five and 10 million. French clubs are a bit smarter than that. And they're less desperate because they've got their money sourced back in. But there will be a need to sell for every French uh, club. And there are some bargains to be had. I saw someone having a point. Will Lil um, lose Sven Botman, who's been one of the best centre-backs in Europe. He could be one of the players to go. He'd be the one who'd command a massive fee and he'd be one to go. And there's a few other players across um, League One that you might see leave, especially from the um, lower clubs. I know West Ham were linked with um, Bull Idea of Stade Rams and uh, a, a pretty all-rounded striker who generally wouldn't do too bad at Arsenal. 
Um, players like him from the sort of lower echelons of Ligue 1 that are pretty good quality, you might have to expect to leave France uh, this summer. So something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, even though we were, you know, we may not be so interested in the in the French league because maybe we feel like, okay, players from there are not value for money. But um, I, I really think Pepe was, is an outlier there. I think there's such good talent in the French league that we, and we're just not recruiting properly. You know, if mm. we really wanted to go in there and, and look for some good players to, to bring in, you know, under the radar, I think that there's enough there, you know, um, if they wanted to go in that direction, which I'm not sure if, if they want to or not. You know, but um, Alfred asked, are there any truth to the rumors from Fabrizio about Bellerin going to PSG in the summer? You know, if you if you don't know anything about it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. But is is that a good fit? Is that somebody that you think they'd be looking at? Um, Bellerin? So I didn't I didn't necessarily see the rumor, but it's definitely someone they would have been looking at because PSG It's the reason they I think they're going out of the Champions League. Their fullback area is poor. And left back, they have Juan Bernat, who was injured for the whole season. So they've been playing... Their centre-back, Abdou Diallo, left-back. A right-back, they lost Thomas Mounier. So they play a mix of um, a youngster called Colin Dagba and they loaned in Alessandro Florenzi. So I'm not too sure if this room was last summer or it's based on this summer. But either one, I would expect... I, I would actually not be surprised at all if Bellerin was linked or even went because they are looking for a right-back. Not necessarily to be a world-beater, like maybe they will look at Hakimi. But I think they're just looking for someone to do a job and Bellerin can do a very solid job. So there probably was quite a bit of truth in that, Alfred. So that's just something to, something else you, you found out today. <laughs> I, you know, my thing is I don't really care where Bellerin goes. As long as he goes somewhere, that makes him happy. If he wants to leave Arsenal, been a great servant for the club, would hope that we could get at least 30 to 35 million for him. I feel like that's the reason why he didn't leave anyway, just because no no teams had that type of money so i think when psg was interested in him they went after florenzi like you said because they could get him on a loan and we wanted if we were going to take anything it was going to be permanent you know so if he does leave that's that's cool i think at, at a certain point players need to develop you know maybe he wants to do something different and if, if psg and barcelona are looking at bellerin that means he has some sort of quality he may not fit for us but i think some of the you know the the narrative around him is kind of unfair, you know. Yeah. What do you think about Bellerin? You know, do you think he's? I quite, I, I quite like him, and I think he, I think he's going to attack it. The only times I've seen him, I, I, I just think sometimes I guess he can have a bit of a, a weird minute defensively, just from what I've watched Arsenal this season at least. But I think he's one of the better right backs in the pre- better fullbacks in general in the Premier League. He's probably on the level, or if not, just below Ricardo Pereira. And he's probably ahead of someone like Reese James. So, yeah, I quite like him. Wow. Do you guys hear that? I mean, some Arsenal fans are probably <laughs> like, oh, are you serious? You know, because he's one of those players similar to Xhaka that a lot of the fan base just don't don't yeah, really vibe yeah. with at this point. But I think he's he has a lot more quality than people give him credit for. But um, this will be the last question. Uh, Velvishwan, my good friend, Velvishwan, I mean, been battering me for a day or so because we lost to Liverpool, but uh, really wants to get this question in about Sven Botman leaving Lille. Will he leave? And if so, what clubs are in for him? Do you have any he's idea? Been, he's been spamming that in the comments. He's desperate to know. He wants me to tell him that Sven Botman's going to Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, Sven Botman, um, former Ajax centre-back, moved to Lille this summer. 
uh, or last summer. And in his first season of proper professional football in a top five league, been one of the best centre-backs in Europe. He's played nearly every minute of Lille's team. In fact, it took him nine games to misplace a pass. So ridiculously good for a really for 20, year, 20 years old at the start of the season. But as I was mentioning just before, he's one of Lille's most valuable players. And if they're going to look to bring in lots of money, Botman will probably be the one. And it's also the sort of thing where clubs look at their most valuable players and go, will he get more valuable or less valuable next season? And Botman, it's hard to predict he will have just good, just as good as a, a performance next season as he has this season. Like Delict when he moved from Ajax. After he left Ajax in his first season at Juventus, he wasn't as stoic as he had been in the Champions League run. So I think Botman will leave Lille this season. I think he'll be one of the first names out if they do uh, lose some players. And as for what clubs get him, it's hard to tell because... I don't think every club's out there looking for a set. It, it feels like no club's out there looking number one priority for a centre-back. It almost feels like second priority. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal went for one to replace David Luiz. I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea went for one because they always want a centre-back. Same with United. Oh, we want someone over Lindelof or City, I don't know, or, or even Liverpool as Velvish Man supports. I think... I think he would be looking to go to a Premier League team. He's well suited to it. He's quite physical. It's hard to say which one. All the rumours did say Liverpool, but I think you've got so many centre-backs in now, man, that I don't, I don't see Liverpool getting another defender in. So Belvishwine just wants everybody to say that their favourite player or somebody from the team that they support is going to end up at Liverpool at some point. That's and he's, def- he's definitely laughing as well. Saka is going to Liverpool. Odegaard is going to Liverpool. Everybody's going to Liverpool, according to Belvishwine. But yeah, um, Seawalder is asking, you know, saying that you're a really decent guest. Obviously, you've been brilliant. So um, where can people find more from you? You know, really appreciate that, Wilder. Um, you can find more from me at Twitter at EuroExpert underscore. Unfortunately, someone's got the, the, the whole at EuroExpert app, but one day, one day I'm taking it off of him. One day, but uh, yeah, you can find more from me there. And any other questions you have for me, happy to answer. You guys, if you want to um, find more or you know follow Alex on um, on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, my the all of this stuff is going to be in the description box, so you can find it there. But he told you where to find him. It's all over my my Twitter page as well. So just find him there. And yeah, Alex, thank you so much for being a guest. This has been awesome. A lot of Arsenal fans have been asking about Slavia Prague, what to expect, and you did a really good job summarizing it for us. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. All right, you guys, that is it. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Chesinho, and I'll see you guys tomorrow at the same time at 7 p.m. UK time with Dr. Raj. Hopefully we'll have more information about Kieran Tierney. We'll talk about David Louise and basically our injury crisis um, at Arsenal right now. So yeah, I'll see you guys then. Bye guys. <laughs>